girl. Constance Hall, one of the most talked about bloggers in the country. A look out! Opinionated, raw, thought-provoking, and never shy to have an opinion. Annalise is her best friend. The yin to her yang. The gale to her Oprah. She's the chic one. Just ask her. A show for queens, by queens. No topic is too taboo. A shame-free, judge-free space. Oversharing, commiserating, and celebrating. This is the Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise. Come on, girls! Good morning, happy Sunday, and good morning, Con. Good morning, gorgeous. Now, did you know that it is my beautiful boy Freddie's fifth birthday today? Oh, happy birthday, I Freddie! I know, five years old, and yet I haven't aged today. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? Don't comment. Um, <laughs> so you would have to be living under a rock if you hadn't heard of Constance Hall and seen her blog. She's also a writer. She's got a million queens. Uh, that are following her on her socials and I'm Annalise and we've been best mates since we were five and now my little Freddie's five. Oh, yeah. I wonder if he's going to meet his best mate this year and carry on the tradition. I know. If he meets anyone who looks like they're going to be a really bad influence on him for the rest of his life, keep them, encourage that. (laughs) Okay. So on the show today, Con, we do have a special guest. Today we are talking to the beautiful Sarah Wilson. She wrote the best-selling I Quit Sugar and she has another book coming out and I can't wait to talk to her. I know, me too. I've got all her books, so I'm going to try and plan. Yeah, I do. I see, you know what, I say right away from her because she freaks me out. Okay. How can anyone quit sugar? <laughs> well, I know, but my mum bought them for me in the hope that I would. But I anyway, remember. that's okay. another story for another time. Um, also, Con... Married at First Sight. Oh, it's nearly finished, but <sighs> Anthony has just riled me up yet again. What's he done? I've what? been off the planet, living completely off the grid at the moment, and yeah. I haven't caught up. Even though, like, Anthony's literally my screensaver because all I want to do is talk <laughs> about him. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play you a bit of uh, audio from yes. the show later. You're gonna be so angry. Now, Annalise, I'm gonna spring this on you. Yes. I'm really annoyed with Annalise over something to do with her breasts. And no, she's not getting them out at a nightclub. We're going to find out why Con's annoyed at me, and rightly so, about my boobs later. But up next, Con, so exciting because we actually have a lawyer to chat to to find out all the legalities about those Chrissy Swan photos that we were so upset about last week. I am so excited about this. Queen Sesh. Now, last week, Annalise and I spoke about um, something that happened in the news that we turned on our iPhones and on Facebook, we saw that the Daily Mail had shared this photo of Chrissy Swan and her children going to McDonald's. Mm. And like, I am all about don't click, don't click, don't click. But I just thought, what? How the hell could they have possibly grabbed a story out of this? So I'm reading it and all it was was just close-ups of all of her children. Yep. Their and faces, it said that their they bodies, were going, their everything, was, and they were going to McDonald's for mm. lunch. Now it doesn't matter that le- like, I, I, I know that the Daily Mail wasn't going to make any legal mistakes because they were going to go, oh, we are, um, you know, they just made it like a like a you know celebrity spotting story. But then when you go to the comments section, it's just all like those kids are so overweight, those kids are still just sucking on dummies, this and this and this. And mm. I feel horrible even saying it because it's giving it more airtime. But it was just I was so appalled, and then I thought to myself, if someone did that to me. If somebody took photos of my children in front, I was walking down the street, I'd go bjerk on them. But it happens all the time. We, we don't know the legal 
um, ramifications around How what, what you are allowed. How on earth can it possibly and not be legal to, to take a photo of a child without them or their parents' knowledge and then use it for commercial gain? That is why. We've got Southern Cross Stereo's resident lawyer, the very beautiful, the very chic, <laughs> Unica Yanis. Welcome to the Queen Sesh. Thank, thank you, you. Unica. I was about to say thank you, sheiks. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us, Unica, why is this allowed to happen? Why can you take photographs of people's, like famous people's kids and then publish it without their permission, their face and everything? Funnily enough, there is actually no right to privacy in Australia. The laws, I mean, obviously paparazzi do need to follow certain certain rules, uh, like, again, with trespass and nuisance and that kind of thing. But basically, there's no law that says you need a parent's permission to photograph their child, which can be pretty surprising. It's actually quite different around the world as well. So in California, for example, they've actually got laws to say that uh, celebrities' kids cannot be photographed by paparazzi. Uh, really? Yeah. Because I, I see photos of like Suri Cruz. That was just oh, in yeah. Place. yeah. That's just in one place in America. Not Yeah, yeah. in California. Yeah. And also, yeah. obviously, I mean, there's a, it's a $10,000 fine and there can be jail time but how often it's used is another matter but some magazines like people for example have signed up and have said that they will not accept paparazzi photos of kids and mm. there are a lot of um, act- actresses like Halle Berry and Jennifer Garner have been really vocal about it too and they've been really angry about the in- incursion into their private lives particularly of their kids Absolutely. and they were campaigning for the this particular law and they they were successful in the end because they were saying that uh you know they they might have signed up for fame but their children didn't no yeah. so They're anyway the law consenting adults I can't even keep your dog in a car while you run into the shops to buy a bottle of milk mm. yet someone can come along and publish a photograph of your kid the reason for that is that you know people should theoretically be allowed to go about their business um, and with cameras and photograph people on the street. So it's called street photographer's rights, that you're allowed to, as a public person or as a private person, take photos of things that you see on the street in public places. And that might include a child, mm. um, as long as you're not taking a photo of that child in a sort of sexual uh, way that, that would be obviously child pornography and you don't mm. want to obviously get anywhere near that. But um, if you're, you are allowed, if you see a cute child bundled up in little beanie, you know, you are actually allowed as a, that is unbelievable. Uh, to take a photo of that child with the parents' consent. I mean, the other side of it is, as a, as a, I suppose, an ethical human being, you would actually probably ask the parents' yeah, consent, and that's absolutely. probably the, the right thing to do. But strictly legally, there's no right to privacy. Parents do not have to give permission to um, to photograph their child unless it's going to be used for purposes for commercial gain like advertising. So for example, if somebody were to take a photo of your child and then you would see it on in an ad um, mm. a couple of weeks later, an ad yeah. for, you know, infant formula or something like that, well clearly yeah. they would have needed to get a release from you as a parent to do that, to yeah. then promote to use your that photo. So even though they the, are using it commercially because they are using it to get clicks on their stories. That's right. This is the the murky area and it it's certainly um I, as a mum myself, I, I I don't even put photos of myself son on Facebook. I mean, right. I really try to avoid yeah. anything like that. But there's a, a privacy act that governs a, a lot of w- what companies can do with personal information of people. But media organisations are exempt from mm. the Privacy Act because in the natural course of their business, obviously, media companies have to do have investigation. No well, mm. <laughs> but they have to theoretically be able to do investigations and that kind of thing. So they're exempt from the Privacy Act, which then means that they are a media organisation uh, like the ones we've been talking about, a lot of the online sites, they are allowed to take photos from paparazzi or, or, or get them commissioned themselves and put those photos up online. 
again, there's got to be some kind of tasteful element to it. So uh, again, the photos can't be indecent. And they are, the media organisations are also signatories in mo- most cases to the Australian Press Council's um, standards of practice. So those standards actually have outlined what's ethical and what's not and mm-hmm. what's in the public interest and what's not. So they mm-hmm. do have certain criteria that they need to follow to make sure that they don't fall foul of that. Yeah, that's actually really scares me that the media can pretty much do whatever they want to do. I think we need to, I don't know, there, need, there needs to be a change. Um, mm. I think go you California. Just call me, Chris. Chrissy, just give me a call and me and you will get make this happening. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be like the new Jennifer Garner and whoever else was. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Queen Sesh. Now, Annalise, as you know, I travel a lot for work. Yes. And um, because I don't like being away from my children, they all end up coming with me and that we're talking a lot of hotel rooms and I can't afford that. So, you know, there's Airbnbs are popping up in my life more and more. Now, I get noise complaints everywhere I go. Like, I can't even go to the shops without getting a noise complaint. I get kicked out of restaurants. This is just my life. I cannot control my kids, okay? Four kids and and two-year-old twins. Not not for everyone. It's a struggle, yeah. (laughs) And um, life's a struggle. But the thing that's been bothering me about Airbnb lately is that neighbours don't like you being at an Airbnb. They don't approve of it. They don't want their neighbours to be Airbnb out their house. Now, I didn't know any of this. I just thought, oh, it's, you know, like zoned short-term, long-term, you can Airbnb. Mm. But I've been getting so much, like, disgruntled neighbour stuff happening. Mm. And then, and it was just sort of creeping up on me quite a bit lately. You know, when we tour, we're always airbnb People are taking photographs of our hire car, like obviously because they want to send it to the council and like crack it. And mm. it's, it's all just a little bit negative. And it just really came to a head last night when um, obviously my children have behavioural problems <laughs> and I... I can't leave Arlo because he gets separation anxiety and I'm really trying to work on that at the moment and I've like seeked a lot of professional advice and I'm doing everything that I can do being a working mum with four kids, you know, like there's going to be some, my cousins live with me as well, like it's a commune, so it's not like I'm the only adult there. How old's Arlo now? Arlo's five. Yeah. And so yesterday I said to Arlo, I'm going to pick up dinner for the rest of the kids and you and I'm going to go on my own because I I wanted to, you know, you just need to breathe. Yeah. I I can't breathe. Like I cannot breathe anymore. And so Arlo was just like, no. And I was like, yes, honey, I'm going. He's like, no. And I and it ended up him screaming. And that's what he always does. He just mm. screams and I cave. Like that is the story, the cycle of our lives. And so he's screaming and like everyone in the house is looking at me and they're all going, come on, come on. Like we've got to get on top of this. You've got to stop caving. So I said, fine. So I just like grabbed him, threw him inside and then he didn't throw him. Everybody, I didn't <laughs> throw him. <laughs> I put him inside yeah. and then I went out the door. He opens the door and he bolts because we're in like this like um, four bedroom apartment that we've Airbnb'd mm. and he's like running down the hallway and I've grabbed him and I've gone, no, and I've pulled him back in and I'm starting to get really angry now like because I'm not a very tall, strong woman. I'm, you know, slightly overweight and unfit and I'm just like, <laughs> like throwing him back in, not throwing him back in the house, grabbing the keys and he's screaming to lock so that I can lock the door from the yeah. outside so that he can't follow me. It's become like a scene out of like Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. and then this like, and then he's like starts kicking the door. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's going to, like, kick the door in and he's screaming. And then this neighbour comes out and he goes, what on earth are you doing? And I was like, because I was already so worked up. You know when you're so worked up that yeah, all you need is someone to say boo? And I was like, I was like, I'm sorry, my child has behavioural problems and I'm trying to control him. And he goes, this is not okay. You are ruining my life. Oh, jeez. Like, your life is being ruined. I was like, this is my life. And he goes, it's not, are you an Airbnb-er? And I felt oh. like saying, no, I just bought the place. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I was like, yes, I'm an Airbnb. And he's like, I'm calling security on your child. He's five. Aww. And I just burst into tears. Like usual Constance would just be like, go on, call security. And I would have had the best war of words with everyone and flicked everyone the finger and gone and got the kids dinner. But I was so emotional that I was just like, <gasps> and I just cried and ran inside and called the property manager. And she was so beautiful. And she was like, don't cry. It's totally fine. Yeah. And I was like, my kids are horrible. And now the neighbours are calling security. And I was getting like, envisions of like these three big security guards coming and dragging Arlo out. <laughs> so yeah, that's my life right now. That's about as, as exciting as it gets. And I got dinner in the end. I went to bed and woke up to fight another day. The Queen Sesh. Last week, Con. Poor old Pete Evans. Poor, poor Pete Evans. He does it to himself. Oh, he does. Over and over and over again. He does. He can't stay away. But Channel 7's Sunday night interviewed him and it was his chance to defend his claims on some of his, I would call them bogus claims about paleo, bone broth for babies. He's got some pretty interesting views on dairy, fluoride in water. A lot of them argue that you don't have the qualifications to say these things. How do you respond to that? What do you need a qualification for to to talk common sense? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry to laugh, Pete Evans. Um, Okay, and we've got the Australian Medical Association's Vice President, Tony Bartoni, on the line. Welcome to the Queen Sesh. Hi, Tony. What do you think about... Uh, Pete's little claim there about what you do and don't need to be qualified for. <laughs> Sorry, I can't stop laughing. And look, if it wasn't so serious, it would be funny. Uh, the, the point of the issue is that basically what we're saying is that um, decades and decades of research of scientific uh, endeavour and scientific learnings doesn't really matter um, if you... Uh, have a view and you are popular enough and have enough people who follow you, you can make your own claims and then have other people follow those claims. You did get quite angry and rightfully so. You tweeted, Pete, willful arrogance, mischievously questioning medical advice, decades, scientific research, celebrities putting hashtag health at risk. And did you get much of a response to that tweet? It got my message across. It got the association's message across. So what we were trying to communicate is that this is serious business. This is a serious situation. If you've got concerns about your health, who best to turn to than your your family doctor, than your trusted medical professional in that space? If there is proof about any of the claims being, you know, made, well, they need to be aired. They need to be not, you know, hidden behind saying, well, you know, it's your, you should go off and find the, you know, get the research yourself. That's not what we're saying. We really need to be very clear. And I think, Tony, look, some of his claims are, in my opinion, ridiculous. Looking at giving babies bone broth as opposed to formula, not putting on sunscreen unless it's got a particular non-toxin in it and all those sorts of dangerous things. But what about paleo? Because we hear a lot about paleo. It's quite trendy, you know, cutting out carbs and grains and things like that. Is that one of the things that you're referring to that he is speaking um, that's dangerous? What we're saying is that Basically, the claims that paleo will cure and reverse type 2 diabetes has got 
no evidence for it. Paleo as a position that someone might want to follow under a supervision uh, with their health professional might be an appropriate approach for a period of time. But let's be very clear, the claim was that, you know, it was going to reverse your type 2 diabetes and that is where there's absolutely no evidence. And whenever we make a claim, we know that we basically are saying what the evidence has shown. If we go out and say, drink this U-Butte formula and it's going to cure you of X, Y and Z and it doesn't, well, we've gone and we go against evidence-based medicine. We're held to um, standards. Why you're held accountable all the time. If you say, here, take this wonder drug, you'll be fine, you'll, be, you'll get sued. Why isn't people scared that some baby might die because it's had too much bone broth or that, you know, like some woman's had their kids starved because she thought it was going to cure their child's autism and he's going to get any backlash? As I've said on previous occasions, I wouldn't even begin to give him any amount of information about any of his culinary delights and his expertise in the kitchen. But when it comes to medical advice, when it comes to health advice, stick with your proven medical professional and that will serve you in good stead. I actually also think someone's going to snap a paparazzi picture of him at Macca's at 2am one day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Tony Bartoni, Vice President of the AMA, uh, for telling us the facts as they are. This is the Queen Sesh. On Married at First Sight. What's been happening? You are going to be so angry. I know well, you've, what, you've missed out. He, all I'm going to ask is what's he done? Yep. And we know who <laughs> we're know talking who it's about. about. It's yeah. Anthony. Yep. It's Anthony. So, okay, I'll give you a quick catch up. So they did a last commitment ceremony, which is a renewal of vows, which I found just oh so naff and rank. This is so weird. Anyway, so Anthony and Nadia decided, yes, we're going to give this a go. We're going to do this outside oh, of the Nadia. experiment. And we're all like, no, R- Nadia, run. run. But she didn't. Run for the wind. Anyway, so they're out of the experiment, even though they're still being filmed, but they're back in their separate states. She's, I think, Brisbane, he's Sydney. And they're having a little chat and on Skype and he sort of starts throwing little daggers like, oh, I'm not really sure about this. I'm not sure if this is going to work. She flies to Sydney saying, come on, like, I actually, my lease has actually just run out. Maybe I should move to Sydney. Have a listen. I found out my lease is expiring, so I need to make some decisions. That sounds pretty serious. I just need a green light. It's kind of like knowing which one is right right now. Yeah, you know, it weighs on my mind that not only do we need to overcome the distance burden but at the same time my career choice and my lifestyle is it's not sustainable for a relationship long term you really need me to be around when you have days off for example and there'll be times where I'm just not going to be. If you weren't going to be available for a long-term relationship, why, why did you go, go on married at first sight, you twat? You punched so far above your weight and now you're trying to pull that on her? That, do you know that says to me? Commitment problems. Once a woman's prepared or a man is prepared to make the commitment, make the step, anybody that goes, oh, whoa, 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 back off, whatever, Anthony. I just, you know what I just thought when I heard that? Because I've had so many dump spills. I've been dumped like 15 million times. <laughs> so I've heard them all. Yeah. And as he was saying, I just thought to myself, Nuts, fast forward in six months when you're sleeping with like eight men mm. and you just, he's just a distant flea in your memory and you're loving life and you're famous now and you're on billboards and, mm. you know, just let's, let's forget he even ever existed. He's not my screensaver anymore. No, get and in he, the bin. 
In the bin, man. In the bin, Anthony. So anyway, we're going to find out tonight. I'm going to be watching to see what actually happens, whether he dumps her. Hopefully she dumps him first. That's all we can hope for. She's not going to. She no. hasn't done that once. I've been praying for it to happen. That's why I stopped watching. That's Married at First Sight. I can't wait. Yeah, that's my girl. This is The Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise. Come on, go. So you've probably heard of Constance Hall, seen her popping up in your Facebook feed. She's a queen. She's a writer. I cringe when you do this by the way. <laughs> well, I've been told to do it, so just absolutely grin and bear it. Don't worry. Don't worry, guys. When we're out for drinks, she never goes up to anyone and goes, you've probably heard. <laughs> and I'm I'm the Gail. I'm her bestie. This is what we do when we go out. <laughs> oh, no, you're totally right. Uh, so what are we going to be doing for the next hour, Con? We are going to chat to I Quit Sugar. That's I say that because I love her books. She's done a lot more than I Quit Sugar, but Sarah Wilson. So chic. Can't so chic. Wait to talk Love to her. her. I'm also going to be telling the story about my little beautiful Billy Violet and how she went at her school carnival. And next, I have an admission and I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. It's the most irresponsible and reckless decision thing I've ever done as a mother. And uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about it next. The, 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 the Queen Sesh. Con. I'm in trouble by you, and Absolutely. rightly so. So, so yeah, <laughs> about, I know, I know. About six months ago, I started getting a pain in my left breast, and I don't know, it was kind of, you know, fluctuated hormonal, didn't think too much of it, but I thought, no, I should get that check because... You I've should just anyway. Any, any, any abnormality in your boob, get it dealt with. So it took about four months for me to get I to cannot believe that. You know that I am the next available appointment. No, sorry, I'm not, not available at five. Have you got one at two? That is me when something For you to wait that long. I know. It's ridiculous. When you said to me last week that you used that pain in your boobs still there, and I said to you, look at your nipple. Mm. Has it got anything coming out of it? And it did. I didn't expect you to say yes because once when I had one of my lumps from my cysts, my boob, the doctor asked me that same question and he said, oh, because that's not a good sign. So when you said to me, yeah, it does, I was like, what is wrong with you? Go to the doctor. Well, have it, you been to the doctor? I have. It was your fa- When your face dropped when I told you about the nipple thing, it made me feel, okay, this is out of control. I've just buried my head in the sand, in busyness, in life, and it's not an excuse and I, it's disgusting, it's completely irresponsible. Your health comes before your kids, before your work before your husband. I know. Look, I've been to the doctor about 20 times in the last four months for my kids, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so I got the I got the re- referral for the scan. It took me another two months. Oh, my God. To get the scan done because the pain was getting so worse. It's so bad at night I can't sleep some nights. Anyway, so I went to the scan and it was fine, but except I haven't shaved my underarms for so long because I'm in this letting go phase, letting myself go phase. So I had hairy underarms. I stank because it was really, it's really humid in Sydney and you've got to put your arm up. And because my boobs are so saggy, they had to put a special pillow under my (laughs) thing so that my boobs sat up right. Anyway, so I did the scan, got the text the next day, your results are in. I'm calling the G, I'm, you know, can you just tell me over the phone? No, you've got to come in. Didn't the scanner tell you like, oh, that's looking okay? Well, she said nothing to be too concerned about, but you know, when you get your baby scans, and they do those measuring and click things. Yeah, there was yeah, like yeah. A, a, a hollow black thing and they were measuring and clicking. And I knew that from having my stomach scan with babies in it that they're measuring something. So I felt, I mean, I was oh. feeling sick. Why didn't you call me? <sighs> and I, I was still doing more head bearing. Anyway, so I went to the GP and there was something there. So it's called, and I don't even know how to say it, it's either duct ectasia or duct ectasia. 
Oh, okay. So like a, a milk duct. Yeah. It's, so it's a it's a basically there's a widening or blockage of the duct, and it's more common in people who are mid to late forties. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I've got so old that's your boobs. body's age. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but it, look, it can mimic breast cancer. So I do have to go back for a mammogram and see a breast specialist. She doesn't think there's anything to be concerned about, but because there's pain, we just need to get it sorted. But I am, I'm just. I'm sorry to my family. I'm sorry to my kids. I'm sorry to you. I should have dealt with this six months ago because if that was the GP rightly told me off like you, if that was something that actually was cancerous and I let that go for six months, I could have left my kids without a mum. And I am so, so, so embarrassed and I'm never doing that again. So I'm sorry, boys. I'm glad you're crying. I'm sorry. I feel no sympathy for you right no. now because you need to be on top of this. No one else is going to be on top of you. You know I read so many blogs. I'm a blogger. That's what I do. And I read a lot of terminally ill people's blogs and they always say, had I have gone to the doctor and insisted on tests, I wish I had of that beautiful love your sister with terminally ill um, Connie, so I can't remember her last name. She said that she wrote, like, had I have gone when I first wanted to go, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be a mother that's, who's leaving her children. Like, it's so important. I'm so I'm glad you went through this. I'm so glad that you're okay. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought of you as somebody that would have put that off. I know. It's, it's ridiculous. And I'm going to make a pledge, and I think we all should make a pledge. As mums, as busy people, it doesn't matter how busy you are. You've got to make the time for your health. Absolutely. That's you know, I'm the, o- I'm the opposite of you because I'm at the doctor like three times a week and he's like, Constance, you don't have cancer. And I'm like, <laughs> just look at one more mole, doc. Just one more mole. This is the Queen Sesh. Con, we're very excited because we're going to chat to a very special guest. She's got a journalism career spanning over 20 years. She's hosted MasterChef on TV. She's a New York Times bestselling author. And I Quit Sugar, Absolute Media Mogul. And she's here to talk about her latest book, First We Make the Beast Beautiful. Welcome, Sarah Wilson, to the Queen Sesh. Hi, Sarah. Hi, ladies. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks for chatting with us. Oh, Anna, thank you very Annalise much for having me. Annalise is a huge me. fan of yours. I'm a little bit scared of you. You know, the sugar thing. Con but... loves sugar. <laughs> I, I have all your I Quit Sugar books. Everyone that I know used to be all about fats and I don't want to eat that fat. Yeah, and, and so. skin milk yeah, and yeah. skin. Yeah. And now. Skin, skinny yogurt. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone you talk to is really onto the sugar thing. So it's like, yeah, you've, you've basically changed the world, Sarah. That's a big call. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, I mean, I think the thing is, is that, you know, I often say to people, my book's called I Quit Sugar, not You Must Quit Sugar. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, yep. you know, one of my best mates. He said to me the other day, "You know, I've never in my life heard you tell anyone to quit sugar. Like, mm, it's like mm. you know what you can do what you want, but mm, if you're intrigued and you kind of feel that maybe the sugar thing is, you know, that sort of afternoon muffin and then the chocolate after dinner on the couch while you're watching Netflix is the reason why you're feeling kind of baseline crap. You know, here I, I'll show you how to do it. That's mm. what I'm like with my blog. Like, I'm not, I'm not telling you to be a lazy mum who like <laughs> doesn't clean <laughs> and swears a lot." I'm just saying yeah. that's what I do. <laughs> right. and, and if you're one of those two, then, hey, we can feel <laughs> better let's, together. Let's get together. <laughs> yeah. So, Sarah, your latest book, uh, First We Make the Beast Beautiful. I love that title, by the way, and I love the octopus. And I love that you're shining the light on anxiety. Can you tell us what prompted you to write it? I've lived with um, a range of different conditions, diagnoses, 
big move, you know, for a lot of my life, three decades at least. And, you know, it's a very lonely condition, anxiety. And I really felt that, I mean, a bit of a responsibility. I know this sounds Pollyanna-ish, but, you know, I've been a journalist, as you said in your intro, for 20 years. You know, I've had access to all these great people, you know, Oprah's life coach and the Dalai Lama, and I've interviewed them. And I've been able to ask them sort of probing questions about how to make life better and how to manage, you know, rambling thoughts in your head and all this kind of thing. And part of my condition as um, obsessive compulsive and bipolar means that I spend vast amounts of time researching things to the nth degree. And so I've researched the etiology, you know, of anxiety. You know, I've looked at Greek philosophy. I'm so interested in that. Is that in your book then? I love the idea of that. Because people can always like tell you that, you know, oh, this is like what you should do with your anxiety and all the rest of it. But I reckon when you're really shining a light onto why you get it and bringing it back generations into history and like what it is in our body makeup that makes us, that's what I find interesting. Well, the evolutionary biology piece is really interesting and I reckon you'd really get off on it. (laughs) Um, I think anybody who's ever experienced anxiety knows. The worst thing about anxiety is when you get anxious about being anxious. Then you get anxious about being anxious about being anxious (laughs) and then you go down the spiral. Now my point is is if you can just do anxiety once, if you can do anxiety in whatever form it takes and you go yeah you know what this makes sense and it's happened throughout history and we do it to survive and it's just a bunch of reactions to a perceived threat Sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't. Who cares? Let's just go through it, do it once, and then move on. And so that's the dialogue which I think is missing from our... From our yeah, culture. totally. I, I yeah. totally get that because I feel like I spend a lot of my life with this, like, not an anxiety attack, but this impending doom in the back of my head going, that's going to give me anxiety. And everyone that knows me knows that's like my most talked yeah. sad phrase is, I can't do it that, it'll give me anxiety. Yeah, no, yeah. don't take me there, I'll get anxiety. If I have to speak to him, I'll get anxiety. <laughs> yeah. And it's giving and me anxiety, to be fair. <laughs> we've got to, you know, say to each other, that's okay, that's okay. Let's just, you know, you know, let's see what happens. And once you understand it, it does take you a long way to kind of being able to to live with it and thrive with mm. it. Sarah, thank you so much. We we love what you're doing. We love that you're starting oh, not you. only health revolutions but mental health revolutions. I know, what's next? What are you going to do next? You're doing mental health, health. It's just you're out of control. <laughs> well, I, I, I do take on the hard topics, the, the topics <laughs> yeah. that a lot of people don't like talking about. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should just put it out there. What does everyone not want to do? <laughs> so, so I'm just trying and, to plan uh, my next five years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. I'll go there. We're actually going going to rope you in uh, a little bit later in the show because we're going to be throwing to you for some queen vice. Now, Anne's last week I did the probably the most credible parenting thing that I've done since I became a mum seven years ago and I actually rocked up to a school carnival. Oh, well done, babe. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Standing ovation. All the teachers are like, who are you, <laughs> who babe? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm a great mum. And I sat there all morning waiting for my daughter to run a race. Now, I actually do get off on watching my kids run races. It's of so course. cute. It's the cutest thing, watching them use all their might mm. and watching the little ones that come last and the little ones that come first and the whole thing just breaks my heart, yeah. kills me. So I'm waiting patiently and like it's the year that she's in year three and they're doing year three girls, they did year three boys and then the girls are coming up and it's just girl after girl and row after row and I'm thinking, what division is she in? (laughs) And they're starting to do the year fours and I'm going, oh, what division is she in? So I decided to, you know, like be soccer mum and not soccer mum, helicopter mum. And like, (laughs) can you imagine me? You were a a helicopter soccer (laughs) mum. 
or some kind of mum for once. And <laughs> and I went up to the teachers and I was like, um, excuse me, where's my daughter? I could see her little head. She was like sitting there. And I said, can I just get through there and talk to her? What's going on? She didn't run her And I went up to Billy Violet and she was, look, she's like, she gets this look when she's trying to hold it together. Yeah. And she was all like, you know, like she was all like, um, um, and I'm like, what's wrong? What happened? And I thought maybe she didn't qualify to run any races Aww. or something. You know, I didn't know what was going on. She didn't want to tell me. And then she just burst into tears and she goes, mommy, I wasn't looking. I wasn't paying any Aww. attention and I missed my race. Oh, I know. And you know, Billy Violet's always it. at the fairies. That is oh, like, yeah. that's, that's just who she is. She's a daydreamer. Every single like parent teacher meeting or report card, they've always said she's sweet. She's lovely. She's kind. She's respectful, but she never listens. And she's always thinking. We always to bring her back to reality, you know, like yeah. that's what she does. Actually, got, I wrote about this on my blog and I got trolled a little bit and I didn't even realise it because half the time I don't read the comments because I get trolled more than I get loved these days. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, just, I must have been drunk or something to look, bother looking at the comments on my page. But this girl was going, I actually don't think it's okay that you have a child who isn't, who's like daydreaming all the time. She could have some really, really significant behavioural problems that need to be addressed. I was like, no, what? no. He's wrong with society. Get in the bin. Get in in the, oh, bin, troll. in the bin, she's bloody no. beautiful, and I don't care if she doesn't run a race. I said, "Do I do, do my words to quote myself? Yes. <laughs> do you think that it matters when you know those?" I said, "If you're a daydreamer, I love daydreaming kids." I said, "You're going to be anything. You're going to be like a little astronaut one day, or you know, you're mm. going to be a mountain climber because that's where your brain is pushing you. Had you have run that race for that that time, all you would have been is a race runner." Mm. You know, and she was like, thanks, Mom. And I was like, look at me, I'm killing it at life and I never listen to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Queen Sesh. Now we're coming to the end of our show, which is the worst part of our show, but we get to leave it on a high note. I know. And with Queen Vice. We uh, we ask for some questions on our socials and some beautiful queens ask us things that are going on in their lives. Sometimes they're hilarious, sometimes they're really traumatic and sad. Today, Annalise, what have we got? Well, we're so, so lucky because we have Sarah Wilson, who is... The journalist, writer, we were chatting to her earlier in the show about her new book, First We Make the Beast Beautiful, which is her journey and other people's journey about anxiety. And so we got a question on our Facebook page on the Queen Sesh. It was actually from a bloke, and I love when blokes reach out to us. He has said he wants to remain anonymous. My partner suffers from anxiety, and I'm not sure how to deal with her when she has her attacks. What tips can you give me? Sarah Wilson, welcome Sarah back. Wilson. What advice oh, I love can that you question. offer? Yeah, I really, really like that question. I love that he and cares enough. I know. Yeah, full props to him for wanting to actually work with his wife to find a solution. So there's a couple of things, and I came across this a lot in the book, and, and I write about this in the book as well, about my journey with the bloke I was dating You know, during the process of writing the book. You know, mm. the book took about two years to write, and we dated for about a year and a half of that. We went through all kinds of ups and downs because he's what I call a life natural. Well, it's a life natural who looks at a flower and doesn't psychoanalysis or analyze it around, well, why does it bloom? And why can't I just like, you know, wake up every day and look so beautiful and, and you know what I mean? Like he says, oh, I see, are you the opposite? You're like researching how yeah. to become the flower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And giving that. myself a hard time for not being so simple. So he's just kind of like, I mean, I share some funny anecdotes. He's a typical Larrick and Australian surfer, beautiful, beautiful man. But we had our ups and downs with it. And so I did develop some ideas 
that could help your Facebook um, contributor there who, again, props for caring. So it's really worth understanding that often the, the person, the loved one can come across as a control freak and you can often think that they're trying to control you. And mm. one thing that I say to people is actually they're often trying to control circumstances or triggers that can set off their anxiety and that will ruin your cup of coffee together or your evening on the couch mm. or whatever. And they're desperately trying to ensure that that doesn't happen because they're desperately trying to ensure that they have a good time with you. And if you can bear that in mind, that they're not trying to control you, they're trying to control anxious triggers, Mm. then you can actually feel a little less blamed and you can Mm. actually then provide more help. But coming from the other side, I I reckon being in a relationship with someone who's got anxiety, like I can see that control and sometimes I see that anger and I realise it's just anxiety. I've been in relationships like that before. But it's sort of, to me, it's like, well, can you get hold of your anxiety, please? Because you're actually now controlling me and it's ruining my life. It's totally true and totally valid. This is probably the next tip I'd give is if you're an anxious person, you've got to take on the responsibility as well. It really isn't the responsibility of those around you to kind of, you know, find the ways to communicate with you. My really good mate, she has these panic attacks and she said to her husband, and this is a really good example of what you can do, she said, when I freak out, I want to push you away. And I go into my cave and I give you permission when that happens to come and get me because I know that you don't know what to do. So I give you permission that when I do it, come and get me from my cave. And my commitment to you is that if you do that, I will feel safe, I'll feel looked after and I will respond positively. And they've got that deal and I reckon it's a beautiful deal. Your listener who's Facebooked, he sounds like he really wants he to has, help. He yeah. Mm. So what you I'm know? thinking, Sarah, is that like I am desperate to get your book. When's it released, by the way? It's out now. It's out. Oh, cool. It's been out for, for a week or two. Oh, and wicked. it should be everywhere unless, you know, it's sold out. should be everywhere. <laughs> I love you. Yeah, yeah unless it's sold out. <laughs> that book to me doesn't just sound like something that you should buy if you're suffering from anxiety, but you should also like maybe buy it if you're suffering from anxiety if you're partnered to read. I've got that's half the problem that are dedicated to people who are caring for or love to hand over an anxious an anxious neurotic person. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love being anxious and neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah Wilson, for My giving pleasure. us Queen vibes. We've loved you so having much. you on the show. That's all we have time for, guys. Make sure you listen same time from seven a.m. next. Sunday, you can contact us on our Facebook page, search The Queen Sesh. And if you've missed anything, you want to do it all over again, you can catch up on our podcast. Have a great week. Mwah. Mwah. We love you. <laughs> the, 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 the Queen Sesh.